What is going on, Bills Mafia? Welcome to another episode of the Mafia Mavens podcast, a female podcast all about the Buffalo Bills. I'm your host, Danielle, and joining me is my co-host, Robin. We're happy. The Bills won. They're 6-2. and two. And we want to talk about what happened during the Patriots game today. This was the first home win against the Patriots that the Bills have had since September 25th, 2011. We know this is a big deal. The Patriots had 349 total yards. The Bills had 339 total yards. This is the first time since 1991 that the Bills have started 4-0 against division opponents. The Bills also retained sole possession of the AFC East this late into the season for the first time since 1996. They also have a negative one-point differential. Of course, we know that the Titans' blowout skewed that a little bit, but they do have the negative one-point differential on their 6-2. and two. The stats for the game, Josh Allen was 11 of 18 for 154 yards, one interception, 10 rushes for 23 yards, and of course, that beautiful touchdown that the Patriots should have expected, but I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Devin Singletary, 14 carries, 86 yards. Zach Moss also had 14 carries for 81 yards, two touchdowns. A little bit of a coming out game for him of sorts. Cam Newton had 15. He went 15 of 25 for 174 yards. He was 9 of 54 yards rushing. Of course, he also had that touchdown right after Josh Allen. And he had that late game fumble that allowed the Bills to win the game. Damian Harris, he had 16 carries for 102 yards and a touchdown. Now, my question to you, Robin, is this. What do you think of this Buffalo Bills team in 2020? Are they good? Are they decent? Are they mediocre? Are they bad? What What are your thoughts on all of these statistics and how they've won to get to where they are at 6-2? and two? Well, I think before I do that, because I want to go over even a few more stats that you mentioned, I just have to take a moment to say I'm just so excited that the Bills could win this game. It was so important for them to win this game. I know people say every win is a win and they all count the same, blah, blah, blah. You just read off the statistics that give us all the reason why. 1996, 1991, 2011. That's a long time ago. And we have been totally dominated by this team for way too long. And this was a game that everybody kind of expected us to win, right? Everybody said, okay, well, you know, they're good on paper. They should beat the Patriots. Well, easier said than done. You know, it's not so easy. And you and I talked about this earlier in terms of people just expecting this to be some kind of a blowout. I know you, like me, didn't think anything of the sort in terms of this being an automatic blowout. Oh, no, it was not. But what it was, and, and to your point, what is this team? This team came to play. And if you look at all the stats from today, I, and I went down the line on ESPN stats after the game. Okay, 
Total yards, 349. I'm going to read the Patriots first and the Bills second. Total yards, 349 to 339. Total drives, 9 to 10. Yards per play, 5.7 to 5.9. Passing, 161 yards, 149 yards. I mean, you just go right down the line, and this game was very even. Okay, we can say that that might have been because the weather was horrible and it it neutralized a lot of what the offenses on either side could do. But at the same time, at the end of the day, didn't it just boil down to Justin Zimmer, you know, forcing a fumble and, and actually taking that victory away from Belichick and company? Yeah, it did. Because if here's the two plays, so that was a pivotal part in the game. Obviously that was the, the game winning play with Justin Zimmer forcing that fumble too. It's not, I don't like people out there saying that cam fumbled away the ball. No, Justin Zimmer came and punched that ball out and Dean Marlowe recovered the ball. So that was a heads up play by those two players. The other important play is Tyler Maddox being ready for the onside's kick and recovering it right away. Because had that not happened, we could have easily lost that game. And we almost did even with that onside kick being caught. So I think those were two pivotal plays in the game. I think they're important to bring up. Um, as far as, you know, what do I think of this team? Again, yeah. I don't like that the Bills should come out and blow out every team every week, okay? So we're still a fairly young team. We have a lot of injuries going on. We lost some players. There's been turnover. Mitch Morse goes out, and he's such a key part of that offense. Um, but here's the thing. We're not Kansas City yet. We're not teams that can just come out and easily handle other teams yet. But we are a good team learning to win close games, and we also are a team that can beat bad teams. And that's the point that we're at right now. So I just, these, these negative Nancy's and we've talked about it before it drives me crazy because they're doing the things that you want this team to do and they're taking those steps. And yes, there's a lot to work on, but there's not a lot of teams in the league that are also much better because it's a week to week league. And you see that with the outcomes of the games every week, you know, I mean, all of a sudden Miami is a contender for the division. And the Patriots have lost, what is it, four in a row? You know, the Jets are obviously just the Jets. You know, the Bengals won today. Pittsburgh beat Baltimore. You know, Green Bay lost to the Vikings. You never know what's going to happen. You have to fight every week. And I think that's the thing that Sean McDermott preaches the most. And you see it time and time again. He's right. So for me, they're a good team. They're not elite. They're good. Good enough to win a playoff game? Yes. Good enough for the Super Bowl? Maybe not yet but that will come. So I agree with you. I think that this was a division game. Bill Belichick's a genius. He'll always be a genius. I'm always afraid to face the Patriots. I don't care who their quarterback is and how many injured players they have. He's the best at getting the most from any team that he fields. I wrote an article earlier in the week for Trainwreck Sports about post traumatic syndrome associated with being, you know, pummeled by the Patriots for the last 20 years. I think it's very real. You know, at the end of the game, I'm sure that all of us just had this sick feeling in our stomach. It's like, how many times have we been here before? 
How many times has Belichick done this to us? What, how is he going to torment us with a, you know, a touchdown to win the game at the end of the game? All of that stuff kind of automatically goes into your head. And then all of a sudden, Justin Zimmer does a beautiful thing and we win the game, which is like mind boggling. If you think about it, I think like the players and coach McDermott said after the game, take the time, take the night, take a moment to just take a deep breath and enjoy this one because it's big and it's meaningful. It's a turning very slowly of the tide. Does it mean, you know, that the Patriots are never going to be, you know, good again? Oh, heck no. But what it does mean is that the Bills are, as you pointed out so well, good. You know, they're, they're good. Now, they haven't peaked by any means. They haven't really played a game where both sides of the ball were kind of consistently good together at the same time. Special teams, I think you and I mentioned that just briefly. They can be up and down. I'm still waiting for Andre Roberts to break one, though. And I know one of these days he's going to do it. Andre Roberts is going to break away for a touchdown when I don't put it on the bingo board for Buffalo Rumblings. <laughs> That's going to happen. I know it. <laughs> but you're right. Today I saw, you know, a little bit of missed tackles by special teams. I thought that the coverage unit just wasn't as good as it was last week. But it wasn't also as much as a, of a factor either. I know Bohorquez had the one punt that wasn't that great. But again, it was windy. It was rainy. Stuff happens. Bill's teams of the past would lose this game 10 out of 10 times. Oh, man. It, I mean, and, and, and any game this year that was close. They don't find it in themselves to pull away if this was, you know, 2005, 2006, whatever. So, yeah, they're a good team. And they're still finding their rhythm, finding their identity, even on offense. I mean, they still haven't, I don't think, completely found, have found their identity. Today's run game was huge. That's something that I do want to talk about next. Josh Allen, in his interview post-game, or one of his interviews, said, basically, we have to be able to run the ball when teams know that you're going to run the ball. And that's what we did today. Just like his touchdown they knew that he was going to pull the ball up and run it in. They expected it. And yet he just kind of like walked in. How big was the return of John Feliciano for this run game today? We have missed you so much. I have no words. When I saw his pictures in the, they, they, they post on buffalobills.com uh, practice photos. And I pulled a couple of them off and saved them of Mr. Feliciano because he looked just like the beast that we know that he is. And he is the heart and the soul of that offensive line. I think since Eric Wood left, we haven't had a player that really defined the offensive line in terms of their identity and their personality. But this offensive line is all about Feliciano. And when he came in, I thought it was very interesting. They started, you know, he started at left guard. And then when Morse went out, they moved him over to center, which, you know, that makes sense. He played center before when, when Morse was out. But Bates had been in there at center, and I thought he looked pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I was a little surprised that they moved Feliciano over to center because right before that, you could see that you could drive a truck through the holes. That Feliciano was creating for Singletary and Moss. 
But when he moved to center, he, you know, he was, he wasn't able to like open up that many holes because he's got other things he has to do. And he can go in at center and just play like he's not missed a beat. You know, like he and, and Josh Allen have been playing together for the last 13 years. They just have that kind of um, connection with one another. It's a very natural relationship. So as far as what I think his impact was on the game, huge, absolutely, as huge as he is. I mean, I will say, I think that personality, Deion Dawkins definitely has played extremely well, and he has his own personality, but he's more of like, I'm always happy, jolly. You know, he has that kind of personality, whereas Feliciano is just this like nasty beast, like tough guy. He's like the troll that comes out from under the bridge, right? You know, and it's like, oh my goodness, you didn't know what was coming at you. But you can you can also see that he has a very close relationship with Josh. I remember it because it stands out in my mind. There's a little video clip, and I don't remember what it might have been last Thanksgiving, and Feliciano was at at Josh's house, and Josh is handing him a, a glass of wine. And Mongo looks at him and says, thanks, dad. I just, they just crack me up, but that's the relationship that they have. And you can see the difference when he's on the field. And oh, by the way, you know, 167 yards on the ground between Singletary and Moss um, speaks for itself in terms of what kind of presence Feliciano brought. And I don't think it's a coincidence. Yes, you can say that, you know, the New England Patriots are, I think they're 28th against the rush. But I don't think it's a coincidence that John Feliciano comes back today and we have our most productive day on the ground. I saw him so many times. I mean, he just throws guys on the ground. And I'm just, I, I sit there laughing. And I, I, that's another <laughs> thing I put on the bingo board. John Feliciano makes a nasty play. So he's just a huge addition. And it just amazed me, like you said, how... Morse goes out, and I really hope that Morse is okay. I love the guy. He's another great veteran to have on this team. And, you know, he's he's part of the glue that holds the offensive line together. Having Morse and Feliciano on the offensive line together with Dawkins, and especially when Cody Ford's back, I mean, it's going to be a really solid unit. It will be. You know, the one thing I just want to mention, too, as you pointed out, you know, hope he's okay. Mitch Morse with concussions, the last one he had was pretty brutal. And, you know, he was out for a long time. So yeah, we really hope that he's going to be all right. And the bottom line is these are always, concussions are always dangerous no matter what. But when you have a person that has a big, long history of concussions like he has, you just have to hold your breath and, and pray that he's going to be okay. I would not blame him one bit if he retired. You know, that's, yes, I I agree with you completely. And, you know, the impact that, you know, repetitive trauma has on the brain and you have to think about a person's, you know, well-being first and foremost. And concussions are so different and you never know which one is going to be the one that, you know, messes with you bad. Yeah, it's it's always scary whenever anyone goes down, but when somebody has a concussion history already and you see him on the ground, it's like, oh, please be okay. 
Yeah, I thought that it's just it's just such a scary moment because you know his history already and he's such a good guy and he couldn't wait to come to Buffalo when he signed here. You know, I don't even care. People were talking about his contract and being the highest paid center and I don't care about any of that. Let the Bills worry about that. I'm going to worry about a player who has done nothing but good for our team and hope that he's okay and that his family's okay. That's just my opinion on that right now. Absolutely. Do you have anything else to add about the game? Or can we get to my topic of the day? I think we should just mosey right along. So here's the deal. A few days ago, WGRZ wrote a little piece about this poll that was circulating on the internet. And I'm going to go over that poll with you right now. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So my bets... M-I-B-E-T-S dot com apparently ran a poll. Which NFL fans complain the most? (laughs) (laughs) The rankings are as follows. Number one are Dallas Cowboys fans. And their top annoying habit, using victim mentality. Okay. Number two are New England Patriots fans and their top annoying habit also using victim mentality coming in at number three Bill's Mafia their top annoying habit is complaining on social media but it doesn't end there there's more now wait apparently they surveyed over 5,000 NFL fans across the country and this is what they came up with But they also did a poll of who complained the most in the NFL. Coming in at number one was Tom Brady of the Buccaneers, formerly of the Patriots. I kind of agree with that. Coming in at number two, Cam Newton, New England Patriots now. And coming in at number three, our own golden boy, Josh Allen. Weird. What? And the third one had to do with coaches. Who complains the most in the NFL? Bill Belichick, number one. John Harbaugh, number two from the Ravens. Okay, I can get those. Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills at number three. And I have to know, what the hell is your opinion on that? Well, let me tell you, there's about... A list of 13 things that are wrong with this poll um, that they've done. First of all, the 5,000 plus fans, we have no information in terms of their backgrounds and, you know, what their preferences are, if they have a favorite team, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the other thing issue I have is when they talk about complaining or victim mentality or that sort of thing, you really need to define that a little bit more. I think, because I've I've been thinking about this ever since you brought this to my attention, this poll is, it's so vague that you could really say the same thing about almost anybody in any of those three questions, to be honest with you. But here's here's the thing that, that I do see. If the Bills fans or Bills Mafia complain more on social media, and that tends to be what they report. these people reported the most. You just have to look at the passion of our fan base, okay? Let's say 
something similar happens to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You think that their fan base is going to be all over social media talking about it? They don't even have a fan base that probably, you know, has any kind of platform where they're spending as much time as Bills fans do on Twitter, for example. So I think I think it's it's one of those polls that like if you're answering it, you're almost answering it half as a joke, right? You know, it's like who who are the biggest whiners? Well, of course we're gonna come out as the biggest whiners because we're probably the loudest mouth fans in the NFL in terms of anything, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, our presence is always known. That's why, what was it, in the Fox Sports poll? You know, we won the most passionate fan base. And then last year, the Titans fans bought votes so they could be us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's how irrational this stuff is. And I guess that's my point is they're asking questions about irrational things like what fan base is, you know, the most annoying in some way. I'm not sure you're going to really get an accurate reflection because it's really a matter of opinion, isn't it? The other thing I, I want to add before I give my opinion on this, their methodology, it says from September 22nd to October 8th, 2020, we surveyed 5,103 people to determine which NFL players, coaches, and fan bases complain the most. 57% of the respondents were male and 43% were female. The average age of respondents was 36 years old. So right around my age, I'm 35. I'm actually surprised at how many respondents were female. But here's what I want to point out too. This is my opinion. Josh Allen was so heavily talked about it, during that time period, especially, and was being brought up in the conversations for MVP so it almost makes me wonder how much of that is a little bit of jealousy from other fan bases and not their whiners. And also, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And, and the other thing I can add to support that is that, you know, when you hear McDermott's name or you hear Josh Allen's name and he's the, you know, offensive player of the week or whatever, when they happen to be doing that poll, as you pointed out, What's going to be in the forefront of somebody's mind if they've heard nothing but, you know, Sean McDermott and Josh Allen on SportsCenter for 24 hours, seven days a week? That's a good point. The other point of that, like you said, Bills fans are very outspoken on social media. We, you know, the Bills are a small market team. And here's the thing. So... We've been basically victimized by the Patriots for so long. And you brought this up a little earlier where I think a lot of Bills fans have some kind of PTSD because let's be real and let's be honest here. How many games have we played against the Patriots where there were terrible calls that went in the Patriots' favor? Oh, too many times. I'm for right. Words. I mean, you know, we're in their division. Like, I don't care what anybody says. I have just watched game after game after game and loss after loss after heartbreaking loss. Where that's why we come off as whiners, you know, especially like this year. And it's not, I'm not going to put things on the refs all the time or say, you know, they get better calls and things like that. But certainly for a long time there, it seemed to have been the case for a lot of games. 
Well, there's certainly been a lot of controversial calls over the years with the Patriots that have resulted in decisions going against us that, you know, the bills, that is for sure. And it, you know, it seemed like, I mean, we have so much scar tissue. I mean, 20 years, I mean, come on, that's a long, long, long time to have to deal with that kind of dominance. And for us to have to be in, in that position to where we came out and we're blowing the doors off of everybody in the first four games, you know, of, of course we're going to be obnoxious. And of course we're going to be whining and complaining and, and whatever. I mean, we're going to be doing a lot of things because we feel passionately about our team. Like I said, I don't think, you know, the Jaguars have a fan base that stands out quite like ours. And I think we're, if you listen to other fan, fans from other fan bases talk about Bill's Mafia, I'd love to hear what they say because they're almost always complimentary. You know, basically, you know, you guys are freaking nuts, breaking tables and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And, but you always hear them say, but you know what? That's cool. You guys are really passionate about whatever you do. I'm not in favor of all the breaking table stuff, but as far as loving your team and be, you know, having it be a very big part of your, of your identity and your life, as it is for most of us as Bills fans, it makes us different. And I think we do stand out. Yeah, we do. We do have a unique fan base. And to your point, Jacksonville Jaguars fans came in at 31 out of 32, 32 being Tampa Bay Buccaneers on that poll. So yeah. I mean, if you don't have fan, if you don't have the fans to begin with, how can they complain, right? And the, the last point that I wanted to bring up too, the two things with Josh Allen, I think I don't see how they they look at him and think that he's whiny. Like I said, other than the jealousy, I will say sometimes he tries to sell things sometimes, you know. I see so many actors in the NFL. Who cares about that? That's not him whining. That's just him trying to get more yards for his team. You know, I find it absolutely amazing. When I when you read that, it's like Josh Allen complaining? No. Uh, you know, that would be like last on my list of of traits that I would associate with him. Like really, he's not a complainer at all. In fact, he'll lay himself out, you know, on a regular basis. And you know, he's doing it just cuz he for the love of the game. Like you said earlier, Tom Brady? Yeah. Now there's a whiner. <laughs> you know, I think he's class A number 1 whiner. But Josh Allen, no way. And then the Sean McDermott, I don't see where he whines because A, anytime he throws a red challenge flag, he loses. And you know, you don't see what he gets fired up sometimes and angry, but what are you going to do? But the other thing is when you watch his interviews and the press conferences after games, he always puts responsibility on himself. And, you know, we've got to play better. I have to be better. I have to do that. He doesn't blame. The only thing, the only time I've really ever heard him say anything negative was the fact that teams like Miami were allowed to have fans in their stadium and the Bills weren't. Right. I, I agree with them. I think there should be a standard. If, you know, one team can't have fans, then none of them should have fans. That's just an unfair advantage. So I agree with yeah, and I don't see that as complaining or whining. I think it's a fact, you know, if they have a distinct advantage, they being teams that are allowed to have some fans in the stands. I think it makes a huge difference, and I don't care what anybody says. You know, you wonder about the defense because the defense really does feed off the fans a lot. 
And I wonder sometimes when we see, like we did in this game, where they had that one drive where New England just went down and scored. It's like, you know, what would have happened if the fans were there? Would they have been able to pump the guys up? I think it, I think it could have made a big difference. So I think McDermott has every right to complain about it. Especially on when it's third and two or third and three or fourth and one. I mean, the fans play a huge role in, in those respects. So he does have a right to be a little upset about that. You can't just never be upset about anything that goes on. I mean, it's going to happen. But is he a whiner? Um, no. I don't, I don't understand where these are coming from other than, like I said, a little bit of jealousy and what they hear. And that's about it. And we're passionate. Yes, we are. So that's all I have to say about that. Are Bills fans whiners? Can we be whiny? Sometimes. Is it warranted? Yeah, sometimes. And it's especially been that way for a very long time. So you know what? I'll take being whiny, but I'll also take six and two and the Bills keep winning. Before we go, I just want to let you know, you should head on over to buffalorumblings.com because we have an amazing group of podcasts. The Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network is Believe, Blitzed Bills, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, Code of Conduct with Jay Spence, The Bruce Exclusive, The Buff Hub, Jamie D and Big Newt, Circling the Wagons, and our own Mafia Mavens. As always, Bills fans, thanks for listening, 6-2, and two, and on to the Seattle Seahawks. Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.